I love the playoffs. Anything can happen. But the best part? It's like bonus football. And bonus football means betting bonuses with Gambit DC. For a limited time, get up to a 57% multi-sport parlay boost on the Gambit DC app, online, or at any Gambit DC retail location throughout the district. It's the most exciting time to be a fan. So make your play and get the whole field advantage with Gambit DC. Limited time offer, terms and conditions apply. Please buy responsibly. You are now listening to the Half a Bird Sports Show. Yo, welcome to the Have a Bird Sports Show. You have so many options for high flying entertainment, yet you chose to ride with us. And we appreciate that. Your host, Jimmy, along with myself, Jay, bringing you the sports opinions you need to adopt immediately. So check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever podcasts are downloaded and listened to. So I'm going to tell you what's on today's School Lunch Menu. We're going to talk a little about the NBA's return, the match you learn. Perk talks about Steph versus Harden. Burn. Joystick wants AB. Bill might get traded. And a Bush Playboy article. Yeah, I don't know how that goes together, but we'll, we'll, we'll go with it. I do. <laughs> uh, we'll give you guys the good stuff today. All right, hey, thank you all for joining us here on the Half a Bird Sports Show. Myself and Jimmy. What's up? Doing what we do best, talking out the sides of our neck. Another loaded show as usual. We took a week off, had some things come up on all ends, so good to be back in the studio. Jimmy, how you feeling? Good weekend? Uh, no, 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 I'm not feeling good. I had a bad weekend. Wow. Not happy and I don't want to talk about it. Wow, so you don't want to talk about it. I so do not want to talk about it. All right, I'll talk. You don't want to talk about it. You don't well, want to talk I do about want to, it. It might be therapeutic if I do talk about you sure it. Maybe you sure you want to talk can, about it, though? I am sure. Maybe you can help me. But maybe you don't want to talk about it. I do want to talk about it now. Now you want to talk I about it. I didn't when I said I didn't, but now I do it? now that I don't. So you feel like you need to so you what? feel like you need to talk through wait, what? What you, so you feel you like you need to talk through it is what you're saying. Those are your words. Are I'm using words. your words back at you. Yes, okay. I don't. So but you're I throwing do. it back at me because you are the one that didn't want to talk about. Watch well, change my mind. Are you gonna help me or not? You're okay, help fine. Me? Right, fine, help me fine, fine, fine. Jimmy, go ahead. Please. Okay, I Share have what's going on in your world. I have a Madden problem. A Madden problem. I don't mean problem. And, yeah, not in the sense of a gambling problem. Or, you know, a drinking problem. I have a Madden problem in the sense of there is a team I cannot figure out how to beat. Okay, elaborate. Right? It is none other than, all right, so I run with the 49ers. You know that. Yep. And for whatever reason, I cannot beat the New York Jets, the updated roster New York Jets. How can you not well, beat the Jets? Okay, so here's what happened. So in the first half of these games, I do a good job. I establish the run. Okay. I'm able to hit some passes, nothing deep, but enough to make them respect the run, which this is a running team anyway, so their playbook is kind of geared towards setting up the run, just like Shanahan does in real life. But in the second half, something happens to where, one, I can't tackle Le'Veon Bell because, two, he always hits the right gap, and three, I'm usually usering the free safety so I'm ball hawking, but still staying close to where I'm supposed to be. Right. But anytime he tries to tackle him, he just bounces right off of uh, Le'Veon Bell, and he goes for like a 70-yard run. And then, t- to mix that all up, I start throwing interceptions. Now, I know now, that's kind of my fault. Okay, so let me ask you this. First yes. and foremost, we'll be going to your interception issue. With Le'Veon Bell, do you blitz? Um, on a, Yes, on occasion. I do blitz. I try to mix that in there at a nice ratio, but I, I use a lot of man coverage. I don't do a lot of zone, which so may be my problem. you need to go zone. Go zone. So that you have more tacklers available to tackle the guy that you can't tackle. Okay, so I'll use zone more, but I don't know what to do about the interception. Now, the problem with the interceptions is that I don't know I've thrown them until after they get intercepted. So It's like I blink, and then the other team has the ball. Who's your uh, quarterback? Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh... So the question we have to ask ourselves is, his eyes open when he's throwing said ball? No, his eyes aren't open. So I'm guessing you're saying well, I mean, that's like, the problem. Like you're saying, you blink and the ball's going the opposite direction. Yeah. So it seems like you both have your eyes closed at the wrong time. Right. When the ball's being released. So either what you're saying is we need to have our eyes open when we throw the ball. Yes, and not blink at all. Right. Actually, you probably shouldn't ever blink. 
Okay. So only Patrick Mahomes can get away with that, but Jimmy Garoppolo well, cannot. Mahomes doesn't blink. He just looks the opposite direction. <laughs> so he may as well blink. He may as well just turn all the way around and throw it behind his back. He's just throwing behind his back. You know, probably probably still hit look, the guy you know, in stride. Basically hit a Magic Johnson pass. Tyreek Hill in stride. 88 <laughs> yards. Touchdown. Just flick it over his shoulder or whatever, which would be awesome. So anyway. Yep. 21 straight points. All right. Let's get started. Uh, the NBA is looking like it is on a beeline to a return. There are conversations right now with the NBA and ESPN leveraging their wide world of sports complex in Orlando, Florida, meaning that the teams will all meet and um, basically housed in a campus-type incubator set up to where every team will live at Disney World during the final portion of the season. And for me, Jimmy, I'm not going to lie, I'm pretty excited about it. I talked about this on my solo about about, about three weeks ago when mm-hmm. they first initially discussed it. Um, I love this idea because let, – let's, let, let's, let's think about this. We have – one set location. If it goes down the way it has to, it will only be the playoffs. It will be set like a tournament setup, most likely. Good, well, because you can do it, and it's just going to be basketball on basketball on basketball. So that's the conversations right now. They're looking to implement this, hopefully with a start date late June, early July. That way, teams have like two weeks to kind of get back in shape. Because if you think about it. You're going through this pandemic. All of them are at the house, even though they are. A lot of them are working out. Most of these dudes are at the house, chilling, playing with their kids, hanging out, relaxing. And a lot of them don't have hoops at their homes because we got to remember that not everybody has LeBron James contract or like a Mike Conley indoor air conditioned facility at his home. Which, Jay, I'm sorry. I still don't understand how they all don't have a goal. You have a goal. You know what I'm saying? And, your, and these guys, like Giannis, for instance, and I talked about this, I remember on the show, how are you Giannis Antetokounmpo, you're the MVP, and you don't have a goal at your house? Well, I don't understand lo- that. Well, because I think it's because he lives in Milwaukee. and They don't sell the rims win- there. Well, one, in the wintertime, where he going to play basketball at? I don't know, somewhere on his property. He should have a decent property. Well, I know when his Supermax kicks in next year. That's right, the thing. That's what he's waiting that's on. That's what it he is. He's that waiting for the money. He needs the real money. So he can get up. a good basketball goal in Milwaukee. Exactly. Okay. You gotta got remember, it. Mike I got Conley's it. got Mike Conley's got the $157 million that he was making, which he probably made about a hundred, but he built a, a whole inside facility. So he had that. But anyway, a lot of players don't have those that, you know, everybody ain't able. Fair so enough. We'll go fair enough. That. We don't. Yeah, fair. Yeah, right, right. So from that. Now they're figuring out. So the two weeks for them to train, two weeks together, start the games. Mm-hmm. So, Jimmy, what's your thoughts on them playing at Disney World? Do you feel like it can work? I don't care. I want them to give me something. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm sorry. I, I hate to keep going back to this. And I know we talked about this at length about three weeks or so ago. But I want something from the NBA. And it sounds like the more and more information is coming out, the more it's starting to finally be geared towards what the plan is going to be, where right. we're going to play, how we're going to do it. So I'm excited for that. So I don't even care. This complex that you're talking about, I think they actually have three different gyms, right? They do. They have three. They, they have HP's Fieldhouse, okay. which is where uh, it's, it's broadcast capable. Yeah. And it's they play a lot of college basketball games right. there. Uh, they have the Visa Center, which it says it looks like it can be configured up to six courts at a time. They won't do that, <laughs> but it can be configured, but it's also broadcast capable. And the last one is the Arena, which is similar to the Visa Center, but it's also broadcast capable. Well, what I like the most about this, and I'm going to go dark, but there's light at the end of the tunnel, is I think that because you have them all in one location, it's a lot easier to contract trace, to contact trace in terms yes. of if someone gets it, because let's be realistic, somebody's going to get it. Now, what I what I was saying is I think that they'll be able to figure out who they all have been in contact with being in this bubble, mm-hmm. as you said, and that will make it easier in terms of not having to shut everything down again because they got to understand that they have to establish this in the beginning. If one to two people get this, this virus, and that's most likely going to happen, we cannot shut things down because of it. Right. You know, we have to have exit strategies or plans around that, and this is part of that, part of the reason why they're doing this, wanting to do this in one location. So I understand that is going to happen, but I think that doing it this way will make it easier to continue the season even when it does happen. I agree. And, and the the big portion of it to me is, is it's the controlled environment. They're also in negotiations with a lar- lot of large uh, uh, testing uh, companies right mm-hmm. now to see if they can purchase them in bulk once they get to a good mass production type setup. Mm-hmm. That way they can have them on hand. 
and do regular testing. If they can get to that portion of it, um, we get to the regular testing and then be able to give the medication and get people taken care of. I believe we will be at the exact spot that we need to be. And we can actually move forward with this overall. I guess the biggest hurdles outside of testing, which is the number one hurdle, they they're, they're starting to see headway with that. The next piece has been of course, venue. They've got three venues to choose from mm-hmm. scheduling. looks like it's going to be a hell of a lot simpler than expected. You can have the East coast game start at like six o'clock Eastern and which is what four o'clock Pacific or three o'clock Pacific, which mm-hmm. no one cares mm-hmm. in the Pacific about the East coast games. And then after that have the West coast, the West coast game start at eight or nine o'clock Eastern, which would be prime time West coast time. They could easily do that. If they keep the East West format, that's the thing. If they keep East West format, they can do that. If they don't have East West format, they're going to be in a little bit of an, a pickle because think about the fans. When it comes to the NBA Finals, it's a lot easier when you have your East and West going back, if, even if it's coast to coast, because it's only one game. So everybody's scheduling for that one game. They mm-hmm. find the middle spot, and it's that one game. Now, if you have a 1-16, to 16, which is in conversation, a 1-16 to 16 seeding, and you have random teams playing each other, you have the Lakers playing the Nets, who are you going to give preferential treatment to? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, Brooklyn's a large market. But it ain't L.A. It ain't the Lakers. And the, but it ain't the Lakers. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have that issue to deal with. Now, we looked at the actual seedings that they did go 1 through 16, and I yeah. thought it was pretty interesting. Now, when we, when we say 1 through 16, explain what you're talking about. We're so talking about. there is conversations of when they go to this facility that it will be, instead of every team playing, it will literally be the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It would just start the playoffs right now. Call it a day because technically the East is already set. The West is like three or four games in between. And so at this point, you have 55 games to figure it out. You didn't figure it out to get yourself in the playoffs. Call it a day. Okay, so you throw out the conferences, top 16 based upon record, yep. ranked 1 through 16, and then you go from there. Right. All and right. so let's talk, actually talk about these matchups. Okay, I think let's do be that. An interesting conversation. We have – First round, you have first game is the Bucks versus the Magic as the number one seed and the 16 seed. Mm-hmm. Of course, the Bucks is who I'm going to select. Yeah, that'd be easy. Easy, That's easy, easy one. Then, then now this is where it gets good. Mm-hmm. I think the in between matchups from here actually all the way down are. I don't see a sing. I see one no brainer out of all of these. So the next one is the number nine seed will be the Thunder and the number eight seed will be the Heat. Whew, child, we'll come back. The five seed Celtics, 12 seed 76ers, mm-hmm. it's typical East Coast matchup. 13 seed Mavericks versus the four seed Clippers. Okay, typical, got it. Typical West Magic, Map, uh, West, uh, Western Conference matchup. Mm-hmm. Number three Raptors versus 14 Grizzlies. That one's intriguing. Number 11 Pacers versus number six Nuggets. I can give that one a sure win there. Number seven Jazz versus the number 10 Rockets which is interesting that the Rockets are the 10 seed and the Jazz are the 7 seed. I guess the Rocket, the Jazz have a better record than the Rockets right now. And then you have the Nets at 15 taking on the number 2 seeded Lakers. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I would say, all right, so one, 116, we already said Bucks, Thunder, Heat. I would take the Thunder. You know what? And honestly, and the reason why is because I think that when it comes to two evenly matched teams, and I really believe that they are top to bottom on the roster, I think that when you have Chris Paul versus Jimmy Butler, I honestly, based upon how he's played and led this team, I would take Chris Paul over Jimmy Butler as the one who would emerge as the better player in this series. I'm not as big on Jimmy Butler as some people. I know he's a really good player, yeah. but I would actually give the Thunder the edge. Uh, so I would take the Thunder in that. Celtics 76ers, I think the 76ers, again, they're too dysfunctional. Like a lot of people say, Simmons and MB really don't coexist very well together because one right. clogs up the lane, the other can't score outside of within two feet of the lane. So you take the Celtics there. Hold a second. Yes. So on your Thunder yeah, give me heat that. assessment, I like that, and I agree. I think the, Sunders, the Thunder can pull an upset just because of the leadership, not only of Chris Paul, but the way they've been playing, they've been playing like a team that's that's trying to prove prove mm-hmm. themselves. And I never I, – I've always thought that if anything was going to go down, they were going to make it into the playoffs uh, a little bit deeper than expected. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you on that. Celtics and 76ers – yeah, I'd probably go with Boston, too. Yeah. I, I don't know why, though, to be honest. Well, no, correction. Pull that back. Delete that audio. Uh, delete that audio. Uh, 
I know why the Celtics would be the 76ers, and you're exactly right. That the 76ers are a very much dysfunctional team. The Sixers are not there like they should be. Mm-hmm. I don't feel conf- I don't feel confident in what they are this year, and it's about time to go ahead and break up the boy band. Mm-hmm. Just go ahead and just move on because they're not going to go any further. Okay. Right. Next up, yeah, Mavericks, Mavericks Clippers. Clippers. I think this will be the most fun first round series, yes. to be honest with you. Um, and I think it would introduce a lot of people to just how great Luka Doncic is becoming. Yes. Um, so it will be good for that platform. But ultimately, the Clippers would emerge. Like if, whether this is five games or seven games, I think that they push the Clippers a little bit more than I think they're going to actually be pushed in the next round. But I would ultimately take the Clippers with Doc Rivers coaching, with the reigning finals MVP, and with Paul George. But it would be a hell of a series. It'd yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. I'm going with the Clippers as well. This this break has been great for the Clippers. This is what they needed. They needed time for Kawhi Leonard to heal. They needed time for Paul George to really heal. Mm-hmm. And knowing them too, they've trained the way they're supposed to be training, but they've also been resting their bodies. And if that since that's the case – they're definitely I, – I see them taking out the the Mavericks. Most likely they're going to do this in sevens because why not? I mean, it's only for two months. Mm-hmm. So I say in sevens we'll, we'll get the um, the Clippers to beat them in probably five. Mavericks will win one game. Okay. Next up we got the Raptors versus the Grizz. Mm-hmm. <sighs> you have to think about this? I do. <laughs> why do you have to think about this? Because I like the Raptors. I think that the Raptors – being the defending champions are a team of leaders, but I love the Grizzly scrappiness. Mm-hmm. This could be that upset that we won't, we wouldn't, that this could be an upset. And you know what? And in thinking about it before you go on, it's like under these, these are such, such different, such extraordinary circumstances that it's almost like you have to frame this differently because for one, there is no home court. For anybody, because it's all the same court. And two, like you said, it is going to be based on really who's been doing what while under quarantine and how is that going to affect their ability to get back into game shape quick enough and how they're going to perform, how's that going to affect chemistry, et cetera. So there could be a lot more upsets than we would normally see in a regular NBA season because of all these extraneous variables affecting what's going to happen on the court. I mean, so you might be onto something in terms of a Grizz knocking off a defending champ like the Raptors who really weren't. I mean, what, a game or two worse than they were than when they had Kawhi Leonard at yep. that point in the season? Yeah. So you might be on to something. Yeah. So uh, Pascal Siakam is the young guy on that roster. I mean, they got a few young guys, but not yeah. really. They, more so veteran base. The Grizz are a whole bunch of kids. Mm-hmm. And I bet you they'll, they, they've got all the energy still. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be out there just zipping around like crazy. And you'd be like, um, especially John Morant. Yeah. 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 That yeah. I, I can see. I'm going to take the Grizz with the upset. I'd still take the Raptors. I mean, to let, even under these circumstances, to let a team beat them in the first round when they're the defending champions, I couldn't see that happening. So I think Nick Nurse would ultimately figure out who's the Grizzlies coach. I cannot remember who, for the life of me who their coach. Yes, that guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll take Raptors. Next one. Pacers, Nuggets. Yep, Pacers and Nuggets. Yeah, right, so, yeah so yeah, the Pacers 11 seed, Nuggets 6 seed. This is the upset I call. I'm going to take the Pacers with this. Ooh, I, it's, child. I don't know, it's just the Nuggets – I just don't like them when they don't know exactly what they're going to do or who is going to come from with the game on the line in the fourth quarter. I think that that's the one thing that they are truly missing. I mean, you have Jokic, who's unique unto himself since the offense flows through him, and he's oftentimes facilitating out on the perimeter. I really like Jamal Murray, Gary Harris. He's kind of here and there. Um, I'm missing a player that they have. I can't think Michael of it. Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, coming off the bench. Playing. He's good off the bench, but it's just not having that guy that they know they can depend on when they need a bucket. Jeremy Grant. Yeah, he's been doing pretty good there. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so I'm taking the Pacers with this. I can't go with that one. <laughs> I'm all over the Nuggets for this one. Mm-hmm. They have to prove themselves, and I don't think the Pacers is the team that's going to be the ones that knock them off. Uh, Oladipo's back, mm-hmm. and I think he was playing pretty solid. He's pretty I decent. Mean, he's playing decent, Yeah. but it doesn't look like they're in a good relationship right now, and there's a good chance that Victor's not going to be there next year. Mm-hmm. So to me that's enough of, the, of a distraction to where I don't see the Pacers going anywhere. Okay. All right. So that. so number 7 Jazz versus number 10 Rockets. Who would you take in that series? See now the Jazz Rockets one is a toughie because there's no excuse for the Rockets to not win this one because the Jazz should be better than what they are but they have been to me a little bit of a disappointment. They should be top 3 in the West. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're not. They they they've been very inconsistent. Conley has been showing his age and I don't see I don't see the Jazz. I mean they're four, but I don't I didn't see the Jazz finishing up there to end the season. I don't see the Jazz beating the Rockets though. Mm-hmm. I don't see them beating the energy. 
of Harden and Russ as they've been figuring out their small ball piece. And their small ball piece led to them beating the dog out of the Jazz when they played them recently, too. Well, the last time they played two, yeah. two and a half months ago. So, yeah, I'm going to go Rockets. Yeah, you know, initially I thought Jazz, but I remembered a couple of things. One, you have Bogdanovich, uh, who was probably their their second kind of go-to scorer. It's not yep. Gobert, it's him. And he's out for the rest of the season with wrist surgery. Yep. And then I thought about the, uh, the beef – that is still in existence between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert because of the whole thing that happened with COVID and they weren't on speaking terms. And I think that that's going to affect the chemistry, just their desire to really want to play and go to war with each other. And I think that even though the Rockets maybe have underachieved and they're doing this weird new small ball full-time thing, I think that Westbrook and Harden do somewhat enjoy playing with each other. And they're just going to want to get out there and just try to run out, just try to outrun them because they know that they're not going to be the bigger team because they're not bigger than any team now because they have nobody above 6'6". Six, six. So I'm going to change what I was going to say. I'm going to go with the Rockets right. on that. Okay. I'm, mm-hmm. I agree with you on that. Okay. And so last one, of course, we got the Lakers versus the uh, Nets. Mm-hmm. I take Lakers unless Kevin Durant comes back, which and I would still – I, was, I mean, He's not, but a boy can dream, right? So I would still take Lakers anyway, even if he was coming back. Television ratings-wise, NBA-wise – like, this would be an incredible thing for him to come back for this series. And, I mean, who knows? We think we know what Kevin Durant's going to do, but we never really do because yeah. he's weird. He thinks differently. He's sensitive. So he might screw around with this layoff and actually try to come back for this series were it to go down this way. But cooler heads would prevail. Doctors, the team, they probably would not let him because he's so important to their future yeah. beyond this season. But either way, Lakers win it. Yeah, his agent already said that he wasn't coming back. Uh, mm-hmm. So did the team doctor. He's like, you work for me, though. Yeah, yeah. He ain't you, coming you work back. for me. He ain't you ain't coming back. back. I say so. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, so so Katie's out. I'm going Lakers in in a sweep because um, I don't even because Kyrie's out too, right? Probably he wouldn't want to play in that series without Kevin Durant because it would be. It would be too much for him to get embarrassed like that going up against LeBron James. Yeah, and they would embarrass so he would just, Yeah. Hell out of them boys. They would just let Spencer Dinwiddie just get out there and get his ass kicked all yeah, over the court. Exactly. Good point, all right, bro. round two. Let's go ahead and move on to the next round as we've got a little bit of time. Okay. All right. Uh, quickly, uh, rapid fire. We've got the Bucks and the Thunder. Uh, I'll take the Bucks. Bucks Th- Thunder on. might get a game, but I'll take the Bucks. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll go with you on that. We've got Celtics and Clippers. Uh, Clippers, Celtics aren't ready yet. Too young. Jason Tatum's not there quite yet. So for now, it's it's the Clippers. Clippers, same. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a mixed bag here, but we'll go with yours. We got Raptors versus the Pacers. <laughs> I would go Raptors in that matchup, but yours is different, right? Yes, I'm going. I got Grizzlies versus Nuggets, and I'm going to take the Nuggets. <laughs> okay. Uh, we got the Rockets and Lakers. Mm-hmm. Lakers in a fun one. Yeah, that'll be the best. Probably the the best match. The best second round series. Yeah, yeah, best second round series, hands down, will be that one. So now we've got the Lakers taking on the Raptors mm-hmm. and the Nuggets. One of those two. So I've got the we got the Lakers and Raptors. Who you got? Lakers and Raptors. I would take Lakers. Uh, they're going to take it to a game seven. Yeah, uh, they're really going to push them, but I would take Lakers in this one. I'm going to take the Lakers in four, as uh, LeBron owns Toronto, and he always has. But that was pre-championship Toronto, though. Um, it's still the same roster. <laughs> still the same roster. Okay. So right. LeBron has always owned Toronto, um, and he's going to continue to own Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lebronto is what they, we called it Le- for a while. Right, so, right, right. Yes. So I, I'm going to call that direction. They played the Nuggets. I got the Lakers in five against the Nuggets as well. The Nuggets just didn't prepare for it. Okay. Uh, next, we've got the Bucks taking on the – Clippers. This was a tough one for me. I really had to sit down and think about this, but ultimately I have to stick to what I said, which was, and this still wouldn't prevent that, but I said Lakers championship this season, Clippers next season, Nets after that. And I think that the Bucks, I really think the teammates around Giannis on the Bucks are going to give more than what the Clippers can handle because they know if they don't perform well in this series and at least help Giannis get to the finals, then he's gone. He's gone for good. So I think that that will make up the difference, and they will find a way to beat the Clippers. Won't be easy. Probably will take a game six or a game seven, but this is their season to go to the finals, so the Bucks still go. This is going to be the game leading to exactly what we've all been wanting. I have the Clippers beating them in seven. <laughs> this does Long change things, series. right? This format does change things oh, when they end up on other sides of the bracket. Yeah, Exactly. It's going to be seven for the Clippers. They're going to win, head to the finals two-faced. 
the Los the Lakers. Angeles Lakers. So it's going to be L.A. versus L.A. Okay. Probably the finals, in Orlando. The finals, pre-finals in Orlando, in which I can totally see them just taking it right back to L.A. <laughs> I was going to say the exact same thing. Like, just, just go back to <laughs> just Staples. Go back to Staples just go back. Yeah. Just go back. No fans. Go back. No fans. Staples Center. Go back. Call uh-huh. it a day. Bring in the staffs there. Just everybody fly home. Yep. Disperse. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So it'll be Lakers versus Clippers, right. Battle of L.A., and we have to just figure out who's going to win the championship. And I think that the finals MVP is going to be LeBron James, and they're going to win. The Lakers are going to win it in six. I agree. I agree. LeBron, and this is their best chance to win the championship, best chance to win his fourth. So they will ultimately win it. Clippers next year. Yes, that's it. So another thing that we like to do here. Yeah, so before we go into news, uh, uh-huh. in, in again, I God, I hate doing this. I really want you to start doing these segments where it's actually sad news that we have but to talk about. But you do it so well. I guess so. so um, empathy. Yeah, I, I do. I try. So o- over the last week, uh, we had two two great coaches, two uh, you know, I guess legends in some respect in terms of how well respected they are, how they coach the game, how they impacted their players. Uh, we lost two of them over the last week in the game of basketball. We lost. Longtime jazz coach Jerry Sloan, who died at the age of 78, he had several uh, health, health, major health challenges and eventually did succumb to them. That was on Friday. And then we had longtime former Kentucky and most notably Oklahoma State legendary coach Eddie Sutton, who died at the age of 84 at his home in South Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, you know, in looking at these two coaches, just thinking about them, they are so eerily similar in the sense of how hard they coach the game, how respected mm-hmm. they are, how they impacted their players, how they never – I don't think either one of them ever quite – I know Jerry Sloan didn't win a championship as a, as a coach. I don't think Eddie Sutton did either. They, you know, both got really, really close. Right. You know, and it's hard enough to get there as it is. But there are so many similarities between both of these coaches, so they definitely will be missed, but their spirit will endure in the game and beyond the game. Yeah, Jerry, uh, I met Eddie Sutton a couple times. Working Did you? In the How basketball. was that? He, nice guy. Yeah, super nice. Just quiet. He, he was he was a very nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always appreciate the times I got to run into him at uh, at minor league basketball games back in the day. But outside of that, man, I, I was looking up Jerry uh, Sloan. I saw people talking about him on the Twitterverse. Of course, he's a his his jersey's retired in Chicago. Right, which is really who knew, which, which is funny to me that I didn't even realize that he was a bull for most of his career, and from there, dude, dude was dude was a monster. Like, like in this, of course, he's being from the south. The one thing that a lot of people were saying that um he's he's a tough some bitch. Yeah, he is. You know what I'm saying? Yes. To the point of he was six five, one ninety five, and he averaged seven point four rebounds a game in his for his career. Like some seasons at nine and eight, like in the big man era at six five, doing that unheard of. Yeah, unheard of. So he was tough. He was a scrappy guy, and he made the hustle. And of course, he put Utah on the map. And you know, we'll thoughts and prayers to his family, and we appreciate him. So mm-hmm. from there, we're gonna jump or dive right into the news. And now Jimmy has the news. Thank you, Wendy. All right, so this first story is going to start out somewhat grim, but it actually does have a pretty positive ending. Um, Also happening last week, last Friday, Georgetown announced that Coach Patrick Ewing had tested positive for the coronavirus. Uh, He was under care at a local hospital there, probably in the D.C. area, and was isolated there. Uh, It was announced today that he has now since gone home. So that's really positive news to know that he is doing well enough to head home, and hopefully he makes a speedy and full recovery. Uh, so, Jay, since we're on Patrick Ewing, um, you have a favorite like Patrick Ewing memory, or just something that comes to mind when you think of Patrick Ewing? Um, I pr- I'm not going to talk about the what actually comes to my mind when I think of Patrick. I think Ewing. I know what it is. Okay, I know exactly fine. what it is. I do, but I do. I used to need to love his uh, his spin move to the baseline and he shoot that fade away, have his hand flopped in the air. Yeah, love uh-huh. that from Ewing. <laughs> For me, um, and I was thinking about this the other day, would you say he's the greatest New York Knick in the history of the franchise? I know I might be missing somebody. Like, you know, Bernard King. But Paul Clyde Frazier. Clyde Frazier? Yeah, I think Frazier's got him because they want uh-huh. a chip. Do you think that Willis Reed is a more, a more beloved New York Knick because he led him to a championship? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Well, he's at least top five Knicks of all time. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked him as a player. All right, up next. Now, again, this I told you I had a story that might get us in trouble with the FCC. So... This is that story. I'm going to try to censor it a little bit. All right. So, you know, in the age of now having sports without fans and how there are some things that people may resort to, some franchises. 
almost mentioned this in the first yeah, segment. Good, but yes, good. Go ahead. In order to make up for that, so there was a uh, football team, a soccer team, I should say, in South Korea, South Korea Club FC, who came up with an idea that they have had to apologize for, and that's this. This team apologized to fans after inadvertently substituting supporters in the stands with sex dolls. Yep. During their 1-0 to victory over Guangzhou FC on Sunday. Now, all right. So you've heard people talk about no fans or digital fans or cardboard cutouts or Mickey Mouse and Goofy in the stands or yep. sex dolls. Um. I don't really have a question for this. I just wanted to talk about it. I know. I, I, I just wanted to bring it up. It's just a bad idea, though. No, it was a great idea. And the best part about it is I got a video I'm going to drop to talk about this right. uh, after the show. But my favorite, the, the, the best thing that they possibly did with this is that they actually put put masks, <laughs> N95 masks on these um, mannequins yeah. and sex dolls' faces. Because if they didn't, we'd have a lot of shocked fans, I guess, the entire right, right. game. You know what? I would actually use this if I'm the home team to my advantage to where you know you get as lifelike of a sex doll as you can find to distract the other team. And to give your team the edge. Yeah, with no mask. That way they look really, really shocked. Right. Because you know what it means. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm glad you caught it this time. All right. Is um, that, it? that That's, I got one more. Give it to me. <laughs> okay, so this is kind of a headline. Uh, so, you know, Tua Tagovailoa now was the number five pick for the Miami Dolphins. Um, and before, prior to him, the greatest quarterback they had ever had, one of the greatest in history, was Dan Marino. So, do you think that Tua will be able to ascend to the level of a Dan Marino and finally end this quarterback drought that Dolphins fans have had to endure? It all depends on what they put around him. I think Flores has done a phenomenal job. I agree. Of coaching those boys and making coaching them up from what they are. Uh-huh. So, if they continue to do that and continue to be scrappy. I think I don't believe he'll be Dan Marino, but I think he can actually give them a quarterback they can they can uh, they can cheer for and, and mm-hmm. they can put their hat on. Yeah, I mean I don't think he should try to be Dan Marino. I don't think he will. Dan Marino is one of the greatest throwers of the ball. Now Tua, he can really sling the rock. Oh, he, he can be he can sling he can be great, But for him, it's just stay healthy. One thing about Dan Marino is he stayed healthy the majority of his career. So that's all I ask of Tua is just stay healthy, and that will take care of a lot of the issues he would have in being able to be that next big quarterback that the Dolphins have so sorely needed. Yep, don't take any risks. Tua, no risks. Just go ahead and keep going. Just fall down. That's it. Snooze. And that just go down. Just go down. Thank you, Bob. Yes, just go ahead and fall to the ground. So, all right. right. Yes. So, Jay. So, what I would say was the biggest sports story of the weekend from a very unlikely source, and this maybe could only happen during the COVID era like we're experiencing now in sports, but that is this. That is this, what has been dubbed as the match, Champions for Charity, the exhibition competition golf tournament between two of golf's best and two of the NFL's best. So you had in pairs, you had Peyton Manning teaming up with Tiger Woods to go against Phil Mickelson and Tom the Goat Brady. This was on Sunday. It was telecast on TNT and I believe TBS as well. Uh, attracted 5.8 million viewers across four of its networks. So maybe it's more than those two. And Turner said it was the most watched golf tele- telecast in television, in cable television history. So the ratings were phenomenal in that regard. Did you watch any of this? I watched roughly five minutes of it. <laughs> okay. uh, I actually went to go eat dinner, and uh, yeah, I just I was I was cooking. Didn't even watch it. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. so yeah. Yeah, you know, golf is one of the things. It's kind of like baseball. Um, I just can't watch it. And I love baseball, and I can't watch it. I don't love golf, so I'm not going to watch it, really. What's funny is I can watch golf. I, I, I sat down and watched numerous golf, watched the swings, watched the hits, because more so I'm trying to get better for myself, you know, mm-hmm. as I'm trying to play more golf anyway. Yeah. But, no, it. I just I had no interest in watching a charity match of NFL quarterbacks and two legends. Honestly, honestly, I really didn't either. It was more so the novelty of the thing that brought me to it. But once I was there, it really did deliver an entertaining sports related exhibition product. And as I was thinking about this, something came to mind in terms of this application to other sports. So you look at the the NFL. Whenever the NFL does any type of exhibition, it's really not a lot of fun to watch. Like the Pro Bowl, right? Nobody watches it. Yeah, boring. Ratings are terrible. Well, they have like 11 million people watch, though ridiculous what? yeah but by nfl standards that's not very good yeah, oh no but, I but it's, it's, it's a ter- it's not a good television product because i mean they can't go out there and do what they would normally do the nba i guess the all-star game is kind of so so it gets interesting when they really take it serious in the fourth quarter but for the most part people are just kind of so so on the the nba all-star game right 
And even with Major League Baseball, well, Major League Baseball is not really that much fun on TV to watch anyway. So, of course, their exhibitions outside of the home run derby aren't going to be that interesting. And golf, I understand you watch golf, but to most sports fans, it's not a lot of fun to watch at all. I agree. But this was fun, and I couldn't figure out – I mean, I could kind of figure out why in the beginning this was so fun, but I didn't expect this to be as engaging as it was. So I pretty much watched the entire thing. Basically what I was hearing on the Twitterverse, and that's kind of the way I followed it, was the noise talk, that there was a lot of basically mic'd up dudes talking noise Mm -hmm. uh, for the most part. So you heard – um, who was that? Was that uh, Charles Barkley talking noise to Tom Brady or something? Yeah, unfortunately, and, he did. Yeah, and then I guess Tom's going to be looking at him like, okay, I remember that. <laughs> That's going to be his bulletin board material uh-huh. once football season goes, which actually is a really good thing for me as a Buccaneers fan. So oh, yeah, I keep forgetting that he's he's your quarterback now. I can't but You didn't even want him. That. You didn't even want Tom Brady as your quarterback. I, I mean, have you I, changed your mind? I know. <laughs> so you still don't want but Tom do Brady as your Tom quarterback? But I do have a Tom t-shirt. Do you? I do. But you don't want him to be your quarterback. I mean, I have a you choice. Have a, He's not going to leave. <laughs> right? Like you could you could tell him all you want to. I don't like you. You suck. Exactly. And then, yeah. He's still going to be there. But um, no, uh, the noise talk, the banter is the thing that a lot of people were really excited about and enjoyed. And I guess that's the one thing everybody wants to happen in the NBA when they start back up is to be able to mack up the players and get mm-hmm. more of the, the, the words. I don't. I mean, I, I, I know the banter is great. But we won't hear about three quarters of it because it'll all be bleeped out mm-hmm. unless they put this on like a pay-per-view type setup or even like on the NBA on NBA's uh, NBA TV mm-hmm. and let it just freely go. But then you'll be hearing a lot of a lot of profanity. Yeah, I mean, I think that the elements that made this interesting are elements that just sort of the culture of golf can never incorporate. Like, for instance, you have Charles Barkley as being a part of the telecast. And we know that Chuck, Chuck is a fool. He's funny. He talks out the side of his neck. He embarrasses himself sometimes, but he's great for television. So you could never, in a PGA Masters championship, have Charles Barkley talking noise to Phil Mickelson or something as he's coming right. down 17. You can't have that. But that was one of the things that made it interesting, especially when he had to take his medicine. When Brady hit this eagle on seven after taking it from Chuck like the first six holes, because Brady was obviously – he was the – he was the worst player of the four. The weakest I think link, worst yeah. player. He was the weakest link of the four. So then I know Brady, he wanted to give him a lot of expletives, but he did, you know, he's a bit of a milk toast, at least in terms of in public. So he did a good <laughs> job of censoring himself and not saying what he really wanted to say. But that was really funny to see Charles have to get his comeuppance in that way, especially since he's such a horrible golfer anyway. Yes, and I don't understand how the score was so close, but I – I don't need. I was, I was like, do they? Like, did Tiger and him just like quit? Did him and Peyton decide <laughs> that they were going to let them come back? Or I mean, I don't get it. I don't know. You know him. You know Brady hitting that shot on seven uh, helped his team out. I guess they were maybe just adding up all the strokes for each, um, you know, each hole, and then deducing it from that in terms of who was actually up. But Tiger and Manny end up winning by one. Yeah, whatever that, that that's means. That's what I'm saying. Whatever that means. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So that's that's weird to me, but yeah. okay. Yeah, but there was that you know, and I would say the last the best part where there were like these side donation bets, like Barkley would say, uh, you know, to Brady, if you hit the green, I'll donate fifty thousand dollars to said charity. Or Joystick Wilson, Russell Wilson donated like three hundred thousand meals based upon how close they could get on a particular hole, and they got really close, like three of them did. Yeah. So so you know that was great to see, and that was fun adding an element to it. So these things, as far as side donation bets, Charles Barkley having the golfers mic'd up. They could never incorporate that into their regular PGA tournaments and into their championship tournaments. But if they did, it would be so much better, in my opinion. Maybe they could, since right now, I mean, we're you know we're going to probably be like this sports wise mm-hmm. until at least this time next year. And it shows you they don't need fans. Golf doesn't need fans. I don't know about the NBA and the NFL, but golf does not need fans there on the course. No, 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 no. They didn't need good commentary. Yes, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all <laughs> it. So, all right, we do this every Monday. Uh, we took a week off. Now it's back. It's our favorite game, the $7 challenge. Jimmy's got questions. Which, let me ask you this, though, because you know how, how it comes to. Jay's got answers. Yeah, that was terrible. I, yeah, you did, I you did well. It's the $7 challenge. Uh, every single time. Okay, Jay. So you will recall the last $7 challenge you did was based on NBA 2K. Yep. And you, you blew it out of the water. Com- totally impressed me. So look, I got to thinking, is Jay as knowledgeable about NFL 2K, the game, as he was NBA 2K? Oh. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. Let's find out. So I designed a challenge around NFL 2K from back in the day. Uh, so this is going to be brought to you by PPE Incorporated. Please wear masks. 
Got seven questions for you, three options, and you give me what you think is the correct answer. You ready? Let's go. All right, question number one. NFL 2K was originally exclusive to what console? Was it Dreamcast, Xbox, or PlayStation? Dreamcast. Correct, sir. Off to a good start. Number two. NFL 2K was released in what year? 2002. 2000. 1999. 1999. <laughs> Correct. 2-0. Number three. The last version of the game was called what? NFL 2K5, NFL 2K3, or NFL 2K7? 2K7. Incorrect. Was it five? It was five. Ooh. Yep. I thought they made this set. I'm thinking something else. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. So, okay. All right. Up next, NFL 2K3 was not released for which of these consoles? Not released. Was it GameCube, Nintendo 64, Xbox? Nintendo 64. Correct. All right, number five. Which ESPN personality was featured in the opening intro of NFL 2K3? Was it Stuart Scott, Dan Patrick, John Clayton? Stuart Scott. Incorrect. Was I it wish. Clayton? It was Dan Patrick. Was it Patrick? Dan oh, okay. Patrick. Yep. Yeah, I forgot. All right, number six. NFL 2K3 became the chief competitor to Madden after the demise of two games. Which of these was one of those two games? You want me to read it again? You got it? Yep, yep, got it. Okay. Uh, was it NFL Game Day, All World Football, or Tech Mobile? NFL Game Day. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Tech Mobile. That was actually the first football game that I had, like a lot of people. Tech Mobile. Yeah, I love Tech Mobile. <laughs> Bo Jackson, baby. Yeah, we could do a show on Tech Mobile. All right. Oh, yeah. Here's what Game 7 would have been. Game 7 would have been this. Uh, Sega released NFL 2K5 in July 2004 at what price? Was the price $39.99, $15.99, or $19.99? I'm sorry. $39.99, $25.99, or $19.99? What was the price of NFL 2K5? $19.99. Correct. Yeah, they tried to undercut uh, Madden and then they Correct. Lost. Golly. <laughs> I remember them days, man. <laughs> you, you know what? I was a gamer. You know, and part of what even brought this game to mind, outside of how you did on NBA 2K, is this is a game that my freshman year in college that me and Tim used to play because Tim had a Dreamcast. Yeah. He'll, he'll remember this vividly. And to this day, it brings me nightmares. To this day, it pisses me off because what he would do, he would get the Jacksonville Jaguars and he would get this defensive end named Tony Brackens. Yep. And Brackens would just pop out past the left tackle and he was right there before you could do anything because I don't think that you could throw it away in this game. Or at nope. least I don't know how. It was Shark, basically. Yeah, so you either had to – yes, Luther Shark LeVay. Yep. Get on. <laughs> DJ, I'm gonna kick you. I'm gonna kick you. I'm gonna kick all your mama. And then just then, all of a sudden, the play, boosh, you just run yep. out the outside. Do, 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 do. And I still hear it to this day. Tony Brackens. Tony Brackens. Every single time, I could not figure out what to do. Uh, I mean, there's nothing you really can't Tony do. Tony, I mean, Tim Scrambled the opposite way. Yeah, he will remember that vividly. But um, Yeah, Tim was so disrespectful when it came to that. Very disrespectful when it came to that. But very good job, man. <laughs> so a combined. What, 10 and 4 on NBA 2K and NFL 2K? The 2K series, Man, baby. I, I, don't, do I, don't I, know, I don't know too many people can do that. I, I do what I can. I appreciate Impressive. it. So, all right. Impressive. Move on. We're going to hit these with the quick hitters real quick. First and foremost, um, your boy's running his mouth again. Uh, Kendrick Perkins was on ESPN, and it feels like he's now just kind of uh, giving us a, a, a good hot take machine. And he was uh, <laughs> talking to Max Kellerman and Marcus Spears, and the conversation was around Steph Curry and James Harden, which I like the debates. You know, it's good to kind of go back and forth and, 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 and debate who you think is better at the time. Right. But he basically said that James Harden is a better all-around all player than Steph. He's a better ball handler, better distributor, uh, and is gonna a better scorer compared to Steph Curry. Jimmy, do you agree with that assessment? I don't agree at all. Um, I think that there's one thing that stands out to me about Steph Curry over James Harden, and this does matter on the court. It's an intangible. Um, so just kind of throwing the the stats and the gameplay outside of that. Steph gets it. James Harden does not get it. Now, if you hear me say that to anyone, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then you don't get it either if you don't know what I'm talking about. So that's the first thing. The second thing is when people talk about leadership, truly leading a team, nobody talks about James Harden. If anything, they talk about selfishness. When it comes to Steph Curry, they talk about 
unselfishness as a characteristic of leadership in terms of how he was a leader for that team, especially with Kevin Durant being willing to take that back seat. To some people, that's not leadership. That's not being a great player. But to me, it is to sacrifice for the team, even though he was still great. Yep. I think that of the two, Steph Curry is the only one who changed the game. I think that he's definitely the better shooter, the better ball handler. He's not a big guy, so he's never going to be the better rebounder. And if they ran the offense through him like they run the offense through Draymond Green, he could average 9, 10, 11 assists because he has great core vision and, like I said, great handles. He can get to the lane because people – well, he can get his three off, I guess, better than that. But he can get to the lane really when he wants to. It's just he knows not to go in there a whole lot because he might get injured again. But but overall, I mean, you you poll every GM – in the NBA about who would you start your team with, almost all of them are going to say Steph Curry. And the one who doesn't say Steph Curry is Daryl Morey, and we know why. But exactly. it's Steph Curry, so this is ridiculous that he said that. Yeah, I thought it was a little too much, a big reach. All I can say is is that when I watch Steph Curry's highlights and the way that he's able to manipulate the defender, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll say James is going to be is a better scorer overall just because of his ability to do what he does, but – Steph's really underrated by fans, not by the game, because everyone knows in the game how good he is. He's won awards, but he's underrated by fans on how um, how deadly he truly is outside of his shooting, his handles, and his vision. So, mm. all right, next up we've got. All right, so next up, so I ran across a story um, actually today in regards to one of our favorite quarterbacks, Joystick Russell Wilson, in that he is the latest to say, or I guess one of the few, maybe outside of Tom Brady, that he wants Antonio Brown himself to be a member of the Seattle Seahawks. And I think you may have seen this as well. So how do you feel about not so much him being a Seahawk, but what do you think about Russell Wilson Russell Wilson wanting Antonio Brown on this receiving core? I think that um, Russell Wilson ain't a fool. Because he understands what it's like to have a good set of receivers. Mm-hmm. And adding him with uh, DK Metcalf, whoo, child, mm-hmm. that would be vicious. He'd have somebody additionally to throw to. Um, and Russell Wilson's a really good leader. He's corny as hell, which I think <laughs> is a good thing for him based upon the circumstance. Kind of, sort know? of. You want your quarterback to be corny. Yeah, you want him to be corny and really weird. I mean, Tom Brady is, so is technically Eli Manning. You want – a guy that's not too abrasive like a, a, a Aaron Rodgers. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. that I think he can handle him. I think he can. Well, Tom Brady could. I think he can. Mm-hmm. Well, I have mixed emotions about this. On one end, he's not left either of his last three teams on good terms. He burned all of them when he walked out of the door, including the Patriots, before them the Raiders, before them the Steelers, in a sense. So you have that aspect of it. I don't think this is really even a discussion until his legal troubles are resolved and until he's cleared by the league to actually even be able to play. And then you got to call in the question, has he changed? Will he be able to actually be a good fit on this team, be a good teammate, be the player that he was by and large, well, at least until we really found out what was going on when he was in Pittsburgh. So I think that he'll come cheap because he'll come on a prove-it deal, not on the field. Can you prove that you can actually remain on this team and not have any off-field troubles? But the third thing is, and this is how I understand that Russell Wilson is even entertaining this, is that now the NFC West, this might be the best division division in football. This is an arms race because you see DeAndre Hopkins is now an Arizona Cardinal, and Kyler Murray in his second season is going to be better, and they got one of the best defenders in the NFL draft, Isaiah Simmons. You got them to worry about. The 49ers are fresh off of a Super Bowl appearance, and they really they lost to Forrest Buckner, but they replaced him with an equally as big monster in the draft in Javon Kinlo out of South Carolina. You have them. And then you have the Rams, who have been to the Super Bowl, too, in the last three seasons. And Sean McVay is an offensive wizard who, when they really have it clicking, they can put up points on you. So he knows that it's an arms race. He knows that he probably feels that they don't have exactly enough, especially with a questionable run game because Chris Carson ended the season hurt. Rashad Penny ended the season hurt. They signed Carlos Hyde. He's okay, not great. So he knows that they need all the weapons they can get. Yep. Especially given that he's always running for his life behind that offensive line. So it's more of, I think it's more so that understanding his situation in the division as opposed to just, hey, I want, I want Antonio Brown. So it's more than that. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right, next up we've got um, the Bradley Beal sweepstakes is back. Being, I guess that trade machine has been turned back on. It added some gas to it during this pandemic of conversations about Beal being traded. And the biggest rumor right now is the Nets are in pursuit of Bradley Beal, which would partner him up with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant come next season. Of course, Beal's agent 
Uh, Mark Bar- uh, Bartlestein says that in an interview on uh, Sports Illustrated that Brad re-signed with the Wizards because he wants to stay in Washington and, and the Wizards want to, to keep him. So, Jimmy, do you think that there's a chance that Bradley Bill could end up in Brooklyn? And if so or not, where else could he possibly end up? I think so. I know that Brooklyn is under different ownership, but they've moved heaven and earth to get two players that they wanted before, albeit they should not have done that in terms of KG and Paul Pierce. But they still wanted them. They got them. Paid a lot for them. Didn't pan out. Whatever. But I think that there is some traction to this. I think that Bradley Beal is somewhat disgruntled. I don't think he likes playing alongside John Wall. And looking at this franchise, it's almost like like pre-Baker Mayfield and all those offseason acquisitions. This is like the Cleveland Browns of the NBA. It's just a depressing place to be, a place where you know that your career is going nowhere. And he knows that. He knows he only has so many prime years left and that he's one of the best shooters in the league. Hell, he can't even get respect enough to go to the All-Star game. And he knows it's because he's a Washington wizard. So I think that he wants out of there and eventually he might force himself out of there because that's what other players have been able to do successfully in the NBA. Now on the Nets end, it makes perfect sense. This is an arms race. Kevin Durant leaving the Warriors resets the league into a duo era, right? So now it's about, okay, now since we have duo, since you have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and you have Anthony Davis and LeBron James and you have several other duos in the league, now it's about who can get back to a big three first. Yep. And the Nets know that. They already got their big two in Kyrie and KD. So if they add Beal, someone else to stretch the floor even more and prevent double teams just like Kevin Durant had when he was in Golden State, then that puts them at the top of the arms race and puts them in position to be able to win a championship because it's all about stars. It's all about having great players in the NBA. They make such a difference. Just one of them does. So if they add him, then that puts them atop the East, in my opinion, and they know that, which is why they're going to try to get on him first before somebody else does. I can see that. Uh, but the one thing I do disagree on is this being a big three setup for the Nets because the Nets can't stay healthy. You have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant has shown to be pretty fragile over the last five years. He's had some very significant injuries, and we don't know if that's going to continue or if it's going to not. Then you throw in Kyrie Irving, who has had significant injuries in the last five years as well, including this year. So now the question is, of the day, can they both be on the court at the same time? Now, Bradley Beal hasn't shown that he is injury-prone at all, and he's still pretty young. So that may be the one thing he brings to the table is he he's the act- the one that's actually playing the games. So then you got to load manage him, right? Just the same way in which the Clippers did – they, you know, load managed Kawhi every other night, whatever it is, every other game, however they did it. And you brought in Paul George somewhat slowly. So then in this sense, you would say Kyrie Irving would be the one to be load managed like Kawhi. With, and then, with Kevin Durant. Yeah. You rotate those two, but Bill will play every game. Uh-huh. Because Bill's yes. not injury prone. Yeah. Now, they would probably have to give up pretty much everything else in order to get him. you got to give up Spencer Dinwiddie, who's a good player. you probably got to give up Jared Allen, who's a good player. Maybe even Karis LeVert, which they really Karis don't want to do. Karis is who they're going to have to give up. Yeah. Him and Ooh. Dinwiddie. That's going to be tough. Two. That's going to be tough. But it's worth it. If you squeeze one championship out of a roster with Bill, then it's totally worth it. Nobody's going to remember Karis LeVert. You know what the problem's going to be? What? Time? They're not getting past Milwaukee. So you but, think So even with Bradley Bill, you don't think they can get past Milwaukee? Are all three of them going to play at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's you hope so. My, that's my point. I I don't so have you faith. Don't, so for health reasons, you don't feel like I it will work. Zero faith that that team is going to be healthy. Zero. I mean, if they play, if they had three seasons together, I would give them health going into the playoffs in two of those seasons. I'll give them zero in those mm-hmm. three seasons, and I'll say that <laughs> they'll have one opportunity where it looks like it, uh-huh. and most likely Kyrie Irving gets okay, But we're in the load management era. Okay, all right. So the NBA finishes their season in July, July and August, right? Jimmy. Then they take the idea we've talked about, come in in December, Jimmy. short season, more Jimmy. rest. Jimmy. That can't work. Jimmy, they load managed Kyrie this year, and he got hurt again. He did. He sure did, <laughs> That's my point, is that so we don't... We extra, don't extra load management, upper load management. Upper, upper... And Whatever lower. is the next level of load, load management, management above Kawhi's load management. Yeah, exactly. I'm done with you. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. All right, let's move on All right. to the most important topic of the day. And I think this is probably the... Um, this is one thing that intrigued the heck out of me is... All right, so Reggie Bush... I feel bad for this guy on this one. But Reggie Bush did an interview with uh, Playboy. 
And they were talking about uh, the headline is he's talking about life after the NFL, Trump, Tom Brady, money and mistakes mm-hmm. and blah, 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 blah. But there was an excerpt excerpt that came out of this uh, conversation that Reggie Bush did not take kindly that people were talking about. And in that, it was, here's the headline from ESPN, and this is, ESPN's not the only ones. SI ran this, CBS Sports ran this, NBC Sports, etc. Everybody did. It says, Reggie Bush says, paying college athletes will destroy some people. Now here, this is what he said. I'm going to give you the full context of the quote. And okay. I'm point out and, and what Bush said afterwards. Guidance is the one thing that young athletes coming uh, coming through the college system miss on so much. Bush told Playboy, I missed on it. They're about to start paying college athletes. This is something that has never been experienced before and is going to destroy some people if their foundation is not in the right place. And Bush goes on about uh, needing to have good guidance and good uh, foundations in order to not burn through, I guess, the money and, and not go crazy. Because I, I guess he's, he has the mindset of Pretty Tony that you could put a little money in their pocket, they're likely to go crazy. Um, so, <laughs> so Bush took exception to this because ESPN put this out here and this is the tweet from Reggie Bush, which I thought was probably the dumbest thing I've ever seen somebody write. But he said, dear at ESPN, please take this story down. I did not speak to you. I never gave you approval to write this story. This is not what I said, nor the context I said it in. And you're trying to use my name with this bogus headline for clickbait. Let's not allow this to happen again. So Jimmy, first and foremost, based on the headline from ESPN, Reggie Bush says paying college athletes will destroy some people along with the context of the conversation. Do you feel like that, uh, that everybody, all writers are going too far? Okay. So reprefacing what I'm about to say with what you said earlier, which is him saying, this is not what I said, nor the context I said it. I'm going to go based off of what I see in front of me and what you just said, the quote you just said. I think that... In the sense of this will destroy some people due to lack of guidance, due to a lack of financial literacy, have not having that foundation yet. I don't think he's wrong in that sense, but there's nothing special about what he's saying, because that's always going to be the case, regardless of if we're talking about paying college athletes or a player's first NFL or NBA contract or whatever it is, what you do with that money and how you live your life is always going to be based upon the foundation you do or don't have. The foundation that your parents are supposed to set within you, that your coaches are going to are supposed to help add to to help guide you. And by you taking it upon yourself to be financially literate and understanding the the meaning of budgeting, how important that is and being able to make smart decisions for your money. So, yes, he's right. It will destroy some people and that's going to happen. But I say that's okay. I don't mean like that's okay, but it's okay because that's something that we're used to. That's something that is going to happen. So. He's not wrong, but that's not saying anything special. That's not controversial. If I'm him, I'm sticking by this because it's true. You need guidance and someone to help you in order to put yourself in the position to make the right choices. You're still going to make mistakes. I mean, that's part of being young. That's part of growing up and maturing. But I don't see exactly the big deal about that aspect of what he said. Okay, so for me, that shows me, it was an article that was written, um, I can't think of uh, what source wrote it, but Mm -hmm. it basically said that uh, Reggie Bush doesn't understand how journalism works. Mm Mm-hmm. And and that's legitimate because no, they didn't take him out of context. <laughs> it was a short title, right. but you can't put an entire quote as a title of an article, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like who's going to read that? Nobody's going to pay attention to it. Uh-huh. They click through it. In the article has all the details. Now, this is where I really think he's wrong, and I have to disagree with you on this, Jimmy. Okay. Once you think about it, think. Let's look at it uh, at a different way. He says that paying these players without guidance will destroy them. How much are we talking about paying them that's going to actually destroy them? Because I don't think any of them are going to be millionaires by being playing college football. Mm-hmm. So paying the players, I don't think anyone's going to become millionaires. If they were getting hundreds of thousands of dollars, I can totally see them having an issue managing money because most 18 year olds can't manage money except for, you know, musicians and other people that have made millions at 18 years old, you know, TV stars, etc., child stars, but they have managers and things of that nature. 
I don't get how it's going to destroy them when they're not going to be making enough money to really destroy themselves. It's like, this is basically like them getting a job and getting a summer job and making money. Like did, did you recall being destroyed by having a summer job while going to college? No. You know what I'm saying? That's where I think he went too far with his statement. I know he's not against paying them and you're right. You need to have financial literacy and you need to have some guidance. I'm just trying to understand how are people going to get destroyed by not having a foundation? I mean, I burned through money when I worked in college. Yeah, we all do it. But guess what? We learn the lessons and we move forward. The difference for these kids is guess what? They can get paid in college. They'll probably do some stupid stuff. But if they're good enough to get paid in college, guess what's going to happen? They're going to go pro and get paid again. And they've learned their lessons. They've made their mistakes. They'll have an agent that'll say, you did stupid there. But guess what? You can do better here and move forward. Also, in order for them to get paid, they have to have like an agent. I think they're supposed to be certified with the league. So I doubt that agent's going to let them really do too much stupid stuff. See what I'm saying? I do. All right. So when he says it will destroy them, like it, did you read that or did you understand that as him saying it's, it's going to destroy the majority of them or most of them or just some of them as we would expect to be destroyed just in general by the numbers? It feels like, like how did just you, some based upon who's, yeah. played, who's mm-hmm. playing. Well, I think just kind of going off what you said, I think that the amount is, I mean, it's somewhat irrelevant in this sense because I think that it, honestly it doesn't take a lot of money for a person to make a bad decision or to destroy themselves or to make their sole focus about money and wreck their lives anyway, which again is going to happen with some of these, but that's okay. That's part of the life lesson. This can still work despite that. So I think that the amount really isn't as important as what the person does to it. And I think that for some of them, if you're already behaving in such a way that is destroying you. Money is just going to help you to do what you were already doing. Yeah. And to me, that's that's always been the case. You're going that direction no matter what. Right. 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 I agree with you on that. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like I do. I've always felt like that financial literacy classes are great for these athletes and students. But at the same time, a lot of us have taken personal finance classes and financial literacy classes. We've taken history classes. We've taken English classes. We've taken all these classes and stuff in school. But if you don't care about it, it don't matter you being in school and you being taught it. Because right. guess what? You ain't receiving it. Let me ask everybody that's listening to us. How many of y'all have taken a foreign language? Mm-hmm. Isn't it great to take a foreign language? Mm-hmm. How many of y'all are actually fluent in it? Typically, the ones that are fluent in it are the ones that actually cared about it. Most of right. us took it to get the credits, to get the hell up out. Mm-hmm. So my point behind that is, is this. Yes, financial literacy classes are key, critical, especially for these young people uh, being in sports. But this isn't the stop any of their career. They're mm-hmm. only college students. They're right. only going to be there two, three years. Right. But once they leave there, that's when all of this stuff is important. Mm-hmm. And to me, being able to handle money early and making your mistakes there is going to do nothing but make them better two, three years down the road. That's what, and that's part of why I'm saying he's not wrong and why that's okay. You're right. If you're not a good steward over a little, you're not going to be a good steward over a lot. That's Correct. part of the lesson. But in this, all right, for one, I'm not sure if Reggie, if this should be coming from Reggie Bush. I'm kind of sideways on that because for, mean, someone, right. <laughs> for someone who had to give up their Heisman because of in, receiving impermissible benefits, them and their parents, like when he says guidance is the one thing that young athletes coming through the college system miss on so much, I missed out on that. Is he making an indictment on his parents or his coaches or someone who was supposed to help him? Is that basically what he's saying? It, what it seems like is that he, he's, he's basically saying because now you're a freaking tar- open target for a lot of people mm-hmm. and it's a nasty world out there and it's about to get nastier. Mm-hmm. I get what he's saying there. What it seems like is, is that he's pointing out that he had a lot of people managing his money for him and he never – he didn't – he they didn't do him dirty, but he but he also didn't understand how things were being managed. So he was just kind of letting somebody else do the job, which a lot of people do. They hire a manager and say, manage everything and make sure I don't go broke. And a lot of people do that. Hell, Allen Iverson had some people do that for him. Mm-hmm. They hid what fifty million from him yes. to where he can't touch it for another few years or something like that. Mm-hmm. To the point of he's good for the rest of his life. You need people like that sometimes because the younger you is stupid. And we do stupid stuff when we're young. I know it because I've done that, been there too. A lot of us have been in horrible credit card debt or all kinds of other debts. And then we were able to get ourselves out of it now that we're older. But young people do dumb stuff with money because the young people typically don't understand. Now, on the flip side of that, you've got your Zions, you've got your LeBrons, you've got your Kobe's who've received fat checks at a young age right. but understood how to manage it because for them – they had the right people around them. And at the same time, they had the mental capacity to understand and be able to, like you said, be a good steward over a little. They were a good steward over a lot uh-huh. as well. So 
we can't assume that all these kids are just going to go bankrupt immediately when they get these checks. That's what it felt like. It felt like it was, it was hyperbole out of the way he's saying it. He's not wrong about needing the foundation, but we're not talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars a week out of these players. Well, maybe not yet. Maybe years down the line, as, now, as contracts naturally in sports increase over time, maybe then. Um, but for right now, I mean, you're probably right. And in that sense, I could see the NCAA at some point trying to institute some type of cap on how much these players can make, which will lead to a whole nother set of issues yeah. that they're going to have to work oh, out. Oh, yeah, that, and that's what they're negotiating right now is what is going to be yeah. the cap for these kids when it comes to the money. Who's negotiating get? on behalf of the kids is what Nobody. I want to know. The NCAA is negotiating so with just, themselves. Yeah, so just okay. whatever, whatever number we feel comfortable with, that's your cap. Exactly. I guess. All right, final thoughts? All right, final thoughts. So we didn't get to this uh, last week um, because we took the week off, uh, and that was the final two episodes of The Last Dance. I said I was going to give sort of a more well-rounded thought and opinion over the documentary as a whole. So now having seen it and had time to reflect on it, it was obviously the most one of the most engaging, one of the most entertaining and to me, one of the best documentaries, and that's because it really wasn't a documentary at all. I echo the sentiments of Skip Bayless. It was more of a Michael Jordan autobiography, given that it was really from his perspective, given that he had final editing power, and therefore it wasn't a true documentary in the spirit of how most documentaries are supposed to be, which is why so many people are unhappy with him about this. Craig Hodges, Horace Grant, Scottie Pippen, several other people. So Jordan I think propaganda. That, yeah, Jordan propaganda, exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. So I think that that's okay, as long as I understand that that's what I'm watching something that Jordan is using for his own ends that's fine because it was entertaining I'd watch it again I enjoyed it but if you watched it or you are going to watch it understand that this is not a documentary in the truest sense of what a documentary is supposed to be it's more of an autobiography but because it's around one of the most historic figures in the history of the country then I think that's okay as long as you understand what you're seeing correctly I think once things calm down Jimmy we need to do a last dance wrap up recap okay. show Fine. and really talk through everything that we've said even with our notes and everybody's reactions because i think the horace grant scotty pippen reactions and stuff and i think horace grant wants to fight him for real now he does it's very uh uh interesting it is uh okay. overall but we should do that let's do so, it so with that final thought for me is big shout out to great people so Andre Drummond decided to go out and eat dinner whenever, um, who was this, uh, Palm Beach County had reopened. And one of the restaurants, Chi in Delray, uh, Delray Beach, had been, uh, you know, not having as many customers and it had been quiet. So the waitress did so well that Andre Drummond left her a tip of $1,000 on a $164 check. The girl was shocked because she had no clue who Andre Drummond was, even though he's like 6'10". It's really hard to not know who he is. That's not the point. She saw the check. She saw the signature. She saw the amount. And she was in shock. So shout out to Andre for taking care of the people. I mean, he did just sign. He, he is making $27 million this year. So that's, 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 the, you know, that's, that's the nicest thing because he didn't have to. He earned his money. And he's willing to share blessings and salutations to him on that note. <laughs> Good take. Well, we appreciate you guys joining us as usual here on the Half a Burst Sports Show. Please check us out wherever podcasts are downloaded and listen to. Uh, in the background, thank you, Mike, Bob, and Wendy for helping us out. And for my co-host, Jimmy, I have my solo show this week. Make sure you jump out there and uh, rate us and review us and give us the five stars. You don't think we deserve five? Give us five anyway. Give it. And so we will be uh, having some changes coming soon as we prepare for the NBA season to rebegin. A full rebrand. Don't worry. All the links you currently have will work. It'll just be a rename, new graphics, possibly new format. Some old stuff's going to follow, new stuff to join in, uh-huh. and we're going to put together some really good material. So we appreciate you guys supporting us as long as you all have. We really uh, do appreciate the love and the feedback. We're ready to grow. It's time for the evolution. Revolution. revolution. We're going to make the magic group. Keep them revolutions. Revolutions. Keep it above the belt. And uh, we'll talk in a couple of days. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. 
based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com internet for details.